In Lob Stories, we walk and we talk with inspiring and forward-thinking people. Walking normally, for me, is a moment where I'm meditating and connecting, but I also find that it really reflects how I'm feeling. Uh, the walking becomes a reflection of my own inner state, if you know what I mean. In Lob Stories, we walk and we talk with inspiring and forward-thinking people. In this new episode, we walk in central London with Orfeo Taguri, photographer, illustrator and all-around artist. We talk science, morning walks and punk shoes. Welcome to the John Lob Podcast. First thing every day in London... I like to wake up and not look at anything, not look at anything work-related or phone-related or social media-related and just get up and leave my house. And I find that that's like the perfect way to kind of set my tone. And I'll walk to one of three potential coffee shops. And I actually haven't figured out what determines which one I choose. But yeah, that will be my kind of morning wake-up. What's funny is I live right by Portobello Market. I feel like similarly to people from New York, where the streets are so crammed, or if you're on Oxford Street, I feel like there's this skill set that develops where you kind of map in front of you the crowds of people and tourists who are going to be walking in like swaying directions. And there's this kind of joy sometimes when I'm walking from my house to my studio of being able to map in front of me where the people are and kind of just drifting through at a pace that kind of manages to dodge everybody. That for me is actually a real joy when I know where I'm going in London and you just navigate with the kind of comfort of someone who's at home. Uh, but often there's parts of London kind of around the Strand and parts of East London, which I'm only just discovering, that are very unknown to me. And then I get this great joy in the evenings if I'm around there you have that yellow light and you also have windows where people are just kind of, will often leave their windows open on these quiet streets or the blinds open. And you get that beautiful moment where you're walking down the streets and you can see families getting ready for dinner or the person who's just come out of the shower and doesn't care at all that everyone can see them or someone pra practicing an instrument. And especially around where I'm living now uh, in West London, I think Obviously, it's quite a wealthy neighborhood in general, but it's also quite integrated, and so you get a glimpse into a lot of different lives. But when you say occupation, I guess practically I do fine art uh, for myself with exhibitions that I do, and then I do animation and illustration for other people and collaboratively with other people. My production will be wood carvings, illustrations, and various sort of uh, artworks, as well as animation, illustration. Um, I'm really excited to be in a position where the, a scientific approach is returning to my creative practice. So maybe for me, when you say function, For me, it's about bringing to myself and then hopefully to other people a way of marrying the poetry of arts with our kind of creative 
technological, exploratory side of science. I think a lot of my work tries to create a mythology that uh, tries to fill a gap in between science, which has taken us so far, but maybe doesn't give us a narrative or way of situating ourselves in the world. I would feel dishonest if I agreed with the separation between the sciences and the arts, and I chose to classify my mind as being one or the other. Because when I consider someone who is a great scientific researcher, the amount of poetry that goes in to be able to ask those questions is so artistically minded. If you think about the person who wants to know what the earth looks like from the furthest distance we can take a photo when we're traveling out into space, that to me is one of the most poetic thoughts. In the same way, the person who wants to know, you know, why our heart beats at a certain rhythm. These are these things that are so integrated into poetry and art that it really just ends up being a matter of the language with which one appro approaches things. There's two ways in which I feel my creativity is expressed in how I dress. The first, which I think refers to what I was describing in terms of uh, craftsmen and the way in which any sort of professional practice has its own uniform. And I think functionality is in itself incredibly stylish. And often I find that things that are flair, things that are flair for flair's sake, or flourishes just for the sake of a flourish, are unappealing to me. And the way that you describe the holes in the shoes have emerged from this long-standing tradition. I think that is why they continue to be appealing and it continue to be beautiful. But I think once you add all sorts of different touches that have no function, that gets increasingly further away from what I identify as stylish. So I almost have two uniforms for myself. One being the things that are going to get splattered with paint. I'm actually not great at drawing the line in between the two, but I an outfit that I consider to be one of my most stylish is also probably one of my filthiest outfits because it's the thing that is so practical for me. I think that practicality is, is something that I consider very beautiful. But then on the other hand, I have these outfits that represent a different sort of function and practicality, which are things that are going to express a kind of interior composure and position within the world, which are more formal outfits. I don't think I have a style that wants to be loud, but I want to be put together in a way that expresses a level of composure and a way of calm being and a sense of tradition, often admiration for the kind of history of things. Yeah. The shoes I am wearing today are the Brixton boots from John Lobb, which are this incredible blend between what I described as functional and being composure 
matched with tradition because they have this sort of serious level of comfort to them, which is kind of surprising when you see how aesthetically beautiful the shoes are. You would assume they wouldn't be comfortable, but they're very comfortable and they've been created with a kind of lighter sole. So they're actually the kind of thing you could walk a good distance in, a thoughtful distance in, at the same time as kind of upholding the sort of tradition one expects from John Lobb and sense of formality. They also have these kind of punk gestures to them that I really liked and was very much drawn to. And that they have this sort of the rounded toe, they've got a buckle high up, and they've got this on the soles, the way they've printed the John Lobb text and logo is done in this format that looks like the back of a shotgun bullet, which again is like obviously referencing the kind of tradition of a brand that makes shoes for kings, but at the same time is this kind of punk sort of military uh, gesture, I think. I actually find that the, the time I have the most opportunity to look at people's clothes is on the tube and public transport because everyone's so uh, glued to their phones that you're sitting very much up close with a whole lineup of people. And I'll often do a scan across of all the shoes in front of me and think which pair would I be most drawn to. But again, I have, when I'm in a good mood, I can see a lineup of people in front of me and find something about what they're wearing that I find joyful and just a personal selection. Just the gesture of them saying, this is what I want to be my extra level of flair or flourish, to me is always very sweet and beautiful and playful, even if it doesn't aesthetically appeal to me. Just the idea of them making that decision. Some of the most beautiful things I see are these shopkeepers who build their own stands and they'll have a chair, but the chair is made out of a crate where they've glued sort of a broken chair onto another chair. And they're these very homemade, very functional things. And um, for me, that's something that I observed and I was just walking down the street and I would stop and look at these constructions that actually people who weren't thinking of them at all as artistic had made. And that gives to me this whole line of thinking of, you know, a function is very much uh, an aesthetic beauty in itself. I had an idea a while ago that I wanted to start a sort of artistic residency that celebrated cafes because I remember I mean, historically, there's the cafe culture of Paris, which is kind of iconic, uh, where all these ideas were exchanged. It was a very social atmosphere, and there wasn't so much, maybe there was less about an individuality and celebrating of an individual, but more all these artworks that came out of people drawing the people at the cafes. And I think for me, I feel very creative in uh, public spaces and public exchanges. And a lot of my favorite ideas come from when I have time and a moment to sit down and just enjoy a cup of coffee and take notes and do little drawings. But there are a range of ways in which I make work. And I think that for me is, is very important. 
uh, I think for me there's this need to kind of have multiple different mediums so that I can move from one to the other because I'll, I'll get dry. My creative energy will run dry in certain areas. So I, in my practice, I do animation, which is stop motion drawing. So every second will be 12 drawings, 12 frames, which is quite tedious. But at the same time, once you know what you're doing, doesn't require that mental effort because you just kind of follow the map. So animation, stop motion. I do illustrations, uh, which will be Occasionally, if someone directs me to draw something specific, I'll do that. But I also have this series that I call The Little Passing Thoughts, which appear kind of like New Yorker cartoons with a simple image and then a text beneath. And those are kind of messages to myself. Like a recent one said, there's a lot of shit you have to do to survive in the world, but try to always keep one eye on the poetry of things. Uh, and there are these messages of things I need to remember. And then I do wood carving, wood etchings, where the wood itself is presented, they're not prints. But those are things that involve a longer period of time. They're almost the exact opposite of the little passing thoughts. I also do music sometimes, which I'm not very good at, but I think there's a lot to be said for not being good at something because it allows you to explore new territories very quickly. Whereas I think once you become very well versed in anything, it becomes harder and harder to ask questions and find new territories. Which I think is why someone like James Blake, the musician is so amazing because he, he had studied classical music and was clearly so well attuned at what he could do with a piano. And when you hear him play just piano and sing, it's amazing. But he also constantly pushes himself into new territories. And I think to be that skillful and still capable of being naive in some way is a really amazing. I think as time goes on, I've gotten less frantic in my creativity. For a long time, I think I felt art was a good outlet for emotionally weighty content. And I often felt that if I didn't find it deeply moving, it almost wasn't meaningful. And now I find the creativity is less something I have to do myself and to create myself <clears throat> and more something that I have to observe that's already there almost. So in a way that's kind of, it preserves a certain amount of energy because if you constantly have to be the fuel for your practice, I think eventually it, it kind of burns you out. But if you can walk down the street and be constantly fueled by the things around you, then I think uh, you're heading towards a more sustainable practice and also a more sustainable way of being with yourself in the world. I love working alone because I think there's a kind of calm and a kind of personal exploration that can occur. But I'm also very much aware of the limits of doing that. And the more I team up with different people and get to have exchanges with different people, 
you see so immensely the value of the energies and skill sets that other people can bring. I think working within a company, I would love in a way that routine of knowing when the working day is done and of knowing what was expected of me in a given day because I'm not very good at knowing when to stop and I'm not necessarily very good at knowing where I'm heading. And uh, in a way that can, I think can be quite a lonely path for creative people, as much as it's exciting, energizing, I'm, it's, I think it's important to be able to share that vision with other people and also to take on other people's visions. But again, so much of my work is informed by the creativity of other people that I'm soaking up as I move through the day. If I had enough room in my home to show myself all the little passing thought drawings and to actually listen to them, I'd be, I'd be better off.